This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament saints is the New Testament just look backwards on that sacrifice and go, oh, he came. He came, the great Lamb of God. So, but the condemnation, the condemnation is the same for both Old and New Testament. Saints, Ezekiel 22, 24, thou art the land that is not cleansed. Now, it's this singular sin of people when they say, of a disregard for the solution to sin, of a who cares attitude toward the great sacrifice of the Lord. Which is, which is very serious, as it says in Hebrews 10, 29, Hebrews 20, 29, how much sore a punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he is sanctified an unholy thing and done despite unto the spirit of grace. Okay, now the stage is set, Ezekiel 22, Matthew 9, the stage is set for judgment. And just before this horrible judgment, as we said in Ezekiel 22:30, God says, I'm looking for a man. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. They just set for judgment in Matthew 9. And just before judgment, the Lord Jesus says in, in, in verses 37 and 38, the harvest truly is, is plenteous, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his field. Now we think about the laborers, we're thinking about the laborers in verses 37 to 38 of Matthew 9. And the question is, what were those laborers going to accomplish that there's a critical shortage of? And the answer is, from Ezekiel 22:30, Ezekiel 22:30, I sought for a man that I should not destroy it. In other words, the, the land of Israel. In other words, the laborers we're going to prevent God from destroying, from destroying Israel, from destroying, destroying people. And the fact that God was looking for laborers who would stop him from destroying 
Israel shows us that God does not want to destroy. He does not want to destroy Israel. He does not want to destroy people. But the problem is, from Isaiah 1.4, Isaiah 1.4, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Israel was provoking God to anger. Man is provoking God to anger, to judgment. Israel was asking God to judge them. Man is asking God to judge them. Israel was forcing God to judge them, and God didn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it today either. That's why it says in 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9, that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this picture of God uh, diligently looking for laborers to stop him from judgment, it just shows us an important side of God. He doesn't like to judge. He doesn't like to destroy. And he only does it when there's no other alternative. As a matter of fact, he hates this destruction and this judgment and his wrath so much that he has a special name that he calls this act of judgment, this wrath. And it's given to us in Isaiah 28, 21, Isaiah 28, 21, where it says, for the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. So God calls his judgment a strange work and a strange act. And the reason that he calls it strange is because it's not what he wants to do. It's not him. He doesn't want to do it. He does it when he's forced to, but he doesn't like it. So he calls it strange. He hates to judge. He hates to condemn. He hates to cause to perish. But, but he does it when people fight their way into hell when people knock down every obstacle that he puts in their way to keep them out of hell, obstacles like believers talking to them about being saved, obstacles like TV, radio programs that broadcast good Bible teaching. He does it when people climb over every fence that he's put in their way to get into hell. Those are fences that God puts there to stop a person, stop a person in their rebellion. And so judgment is a strange work for God. It's a strange act for God. It, but what's not strange for God is him rejoicing over a lost person who repents, who becomes found. As he said, and that's the whole point of this parable in Matthew 18, 12, Matthew 18, 12, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the 99 which went out astray. So that's the whole point of why the Lord told that parable about the prodigal son in Luke 15, 20, is really to show the character of God, really to show what God is like when he described so vividly in Luke 15, 20 through 24, how the son went through this mental exercise of I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna say these words, Father, I've sinned, and I'm gonna say I'm not worthy to be your son, and I just, and he's going through that, he's giving us an account of everything that happens that shows true repentance, but especially when the son does return home in Luke 15, 22, Luke 15, 22, he records the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. 
Because that shows who God is. God's happy when a person repents, and judgment doesn't make God happy. Now, we've seen what the laborers are going to accomplish. Um, they're gonna stop God from the judgment, destruction. Now, the next question is, so exactly what were the laborers going to do in order to stop God from destroying judgment? And we see that, again, that answer in that verse in Ezekiel 22.30. Ezekiel 22.30, which says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So from that verse, Ezekiel 22.30, we see the laborers, they were talking about the same ones in Matthew 9.37, and what they're gonna do to stop God from destroying Israel. So the first thing they're going to do is in Ezekiel 22.30, they're called a man among them. A man among them. He's not a man who is separated from the people. This is a man who is living among them, not separated. And the Lord Jesus lived among his people. He was not separated from them. As a matter of fact, you could almost say about him, familiarity really did breed contempt there. And this, this is the first qualification of the laborer that God is looking for, to be among the people. Second, God said that the laborer was going to prevent the destruction of Israel by being a person, as he called it in Ezekiel 22.30, Ezekiel 22.30, make up the hedge. This person was going to make up the hedge. A hedge is a wall. What does a wall do? A wall protects, a wall shields, a wall separates. So the person is going to be someone who is going to protect, who's going to shield, who's going to separate the people. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that by his prayer, by his intercessory prayer. He's going to pray for the people. And it's going to be these prayers that are going to become a hedge wall around the people. They're going to protect the people. They're going to shield the people from the wrath of God. And so that means that this person is going to be a wall. They're going to be a wall. And what a beautiful picture of prayer that is that prayer makes a protective wall around a person that's prayed for, that prayer defends a person from the wrath of God. Now the next part about the laborer that God is looking for is in Ezekiel 22.30, Ezekiel 22.30, where it says, he will stand in the gap before me for the land. Stand in the gap. Now, a gap, a trench, you might say, well, that's a gap that was formed by sin. Yes, it was. But if you kind of think of... Uh, with the picture that's being painted here, standing in the gap. Think of World War I. Think of the soldiers in their trench. Think of one soldier in that trench who says, give me the white flag, I'm gonna get up and go stand in the gap and talk to the opposing side. So he says, I'm gonna go stand in no man's land. That's dangerous, they'd say. The soldier ventures out. Moses was one of those men that God was looking for who stopped the destruction of Israel after they made the golden calf by standing in the gap. And he did this in Exodus 32:32, Exodus 32:32, where he prayed, again, his prayer, his prayer, his hedge of protection. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, dot, 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 and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. So this was dangerous for Moses. He's saying, if you're not gonna forgive them, blot me out of your book. That's dangerous, Moses. 
But it's dangerous because he was standing in the gap between Israel and God, Israel that deserved judgment, holy God that can't look on sin. But he used himself, Moses used himself to make up the hedge, the hedge wall, the stand in the gap. Israel needed a wall of protection from the wrath of God. God had told Moses, step aside, I'm going to destroy them. Moses stepped right up in front of God and Moses fulfilled those words, I sought for a man among them in Ezekiel 22:30, who would stand in the gap. Moses had a choice when he heard that God was gonna judge Israel. He had a choice. Moses had a choice. Moses could have chosen to either be, kind of play along with me a little bit with this, he could either be kind of like the Pharisee or kind of like the publican. Both of them came to pray one day in Luke 18.10, Luke 18.10, where it says, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men. I'm not extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes all that I have. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Moses could have chosen to be like the Pharisee, step back, isolate himself from those golden calf-making Israelites, and say like the Pharisee to God, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like those Israelites who make and worship a golden calf, not me. I'm good, I'll obey you. Or Moses could have chosen, and he did choose, to be like the publican and in essence say, oh God, I'm no better than those gold calf making Israelites. I've got the same root of sin in me. So if you judge them, judge me also, because I'm putting myself first in line to receive your wrath. And that's exactly what Moses did. And that's why Moses made himself, from Ezekiel 22:30, a man among them. And that gets to you and I. That gets to you and I. When you and I pray for the lost, we have the same choice of either praying like a Pharisee or praying like the publican. You pray like the Pharisee, we say, shoo, I'm glad I'm not like them. Please save them, I'm not a part of them. Or pray like Moses and the publican, Lord, I'm just like them. I got the same root of sin in my heart that they have. Forgive them for their acts, forgive me for my thoughts. And this is how Moses accomplished this laborer, Ezekiel 22, 30 laborer, who made up the hedge. All centered around Moses and how he saw himself as in Ezekiel 22, 30, man among them. This is what Daniel did. You know, in the Bible, there's no recorded sin of Daniel. It's not that he was sinless, but he just had a sterling life. And yet, Daniel took the position of Moses a man among them from Ezekiel 22:30, in his intercession for Israel when he became for them, Ezekiel 22:30, a man among them to make up the hedge and stand in the gap. And he did this when he prayed for them. And I'm gonna read you his prayer. And as I do, listen how many times Daniel says we and our. He's including himself in this beautiful picture of what it means for a man um, to be among them and to be a hedge and stand in the gap by Ezekiel 22:30. So this is the Daniel's prayer 
in Daniel 9.2, Daniel 9.2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the destruction of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession, Daniel says, my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Now Daniel says, we have sinned, not they, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and done wickedly and have rebelled. He's including himself even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, again, including himself, which spake in thy name to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries where thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against thee. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways which he set before us all the servants and prophets. Yet all Israel has transgressed in thy law, even by departing and not obeying the voice. Therefore the curse is poured out upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against thee. So we get to a point now where we have to ask the question, we read something like this and we have to question, how do we view our fellow Americans? How do we view our fellow American homosexuals? How do we view our fellow American abortionists? Daniel would have viewed them with the prayer of Daniel 9:11. we have sinned. Daniel would have viewed them with the prayer of uh, Moses in Exodus 32, 32. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. See, that's because Daniel and Moses, they stepped up to be the Ezekiel 22:30 man among them, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Now, that's dangerous, as we said, a person who stands in the gap, he's getting into no man's land, that's dangerous. But Moses made himself very vulnerable, and Daniel made himself vulnerable, and Paul made himself vulnerable in Romans 9, three through four. Romans 9, three through four, when Paul said, I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelites. And we pray, when we pray for the loss like that in Ezekiel 22, 30, as a man among them that should make up the hedge, stand in the gap, we become a human shield. It's like being a human shield, very vulnerable. So it really gets down to a question of separation or embrace. It gets down to a question of distancing or identification with. And that's the question that the Lord Jesus was faced with. And of course, he's the ultimate man among them. He's the ultimate intercessor to deliver man. And he chose identification rather than distancing, even though he was sinless. He chose to identify with them as seen, he chose to be the Ezekiel 22, 30, man among them, as it says about him in John 1, 
14, John 1, 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. In Luke 7, 16, Luke 7, 16, it says, there came a fear on all. They glorified God saying, a great prophet is risen up among us. In Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And on and on, Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15 says that he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And from Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, a man of sorrows. So the Lord Jesus was this ultimate, Ezekiel 22.30, man among them that made up the hedge and stood in the gap. He stepped into that dangerous gap and he suffered because of it. The wrath of God fell on him. He was in no man's land when it says in 1 Peter 3.18, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So the statement, the question really, well, the, again, going back to Matthew 9, where he says the big problem is where are the laborers? Where are the laborers? Looking back to Ezekiel 22:30, God says, where's the man? Where's the man? I sought for a man. Now, you read something like that in Ezekiel 22:30, where God says, I sought for a man, and then we respond. Thank, well, first of all, we feel an anxiety. Where is the man? God's got to find a man. And then we feel a great joy. When we look at Jesus, we say, God found a man. God found a man. He found a man among us. And what a man he did find from Song of Solomon, 5.16, Song of Solomon 5.16 described as altogether lovely. He's altogether lovely because of what he's done for us. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, he's altogether lovely because he's been made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's altogether lovely. He's made unto us wisdom. He shows us how to live a life pleasing to God. He's made unto us righteousness because we no longer have to lie and try to say, well, we're really righteous when it's not true. But now we can come clean and say, no, we're all right. No, we're not righteous, but he is our righteousness. He's altogether lovely because he becomes our sanctification, separates us in Christ from this filthy world. He's altogether lovely because he becomes our redemption who made up the hedge, stood in the gap, suffered the judgment of condemnation so that we could be delivered from the condemnation of a sentence of uh, an eternity in hell. So he sought for a man, God did, and he found the Lord Jesus. And we can just look at that in the context of Job 33, 24. 33, 24, he says he sought for a man, but then in Job 33, 24, it says, then he is gracious unto him and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. I have found a ransom. And who was that? Ransom, Mark 10:45. Mark 10:45. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Thank God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making yourself to be the man that God was looking for, that we were looking for, that we needed. Thank you, Father, that you found the man, you found the ransom, and you delivered us. Lord, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.